0: This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, you're living your life all wrong. This is episode number 42, like the late great Jackie Robinson. And in this episode, I sit down with Andy Sist and Kyle Poole of New Motion Beverages and Embolden Beer Company in San Diego, California. Kyle and Andy talked to me about how they came up with the names for their two companies, how they defined success, and how Andy's fiancé saved the brewery from getting flooded but wound up getting trapped on top of the bathroom for an hour in the process. I can relate, so after a long night of drinking, I've been trapped, not on top of the bathroom but inside of it, and those are the nights I'd like to forget, but what you shouldn't forget to do is keep on listening, crack open a beer, and enjoy the podcast. Think you'll be happy you did. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Kyle Poole and Andy Sist of New Motion Beverages and Emboldened Beer Company in San Diego, California. Andy Sist and Kyle Poole were roommates at San Diego State. After graduation, they had started really getting into the San Diego craft beer scene. After working the old 9-to-5 and enjoying craft beer culture on the weekends, Andy and Kyle met the women who would become their wives, Ariana and Megan. Who would also become co-founders the women encouraged kyle and andy to focus more on health and during that period they discovered kombucha one day kyle an engineer by trade bought some books on making kombucha and brewing the two began brewing and experimenting with process and flavor after four years of experimentation and product development which included hard seltzer and hard sparkling tea they were ready to find a home to brew their product Sometime during the process of developing New Motion, Kyle reached out to friend Cody Morris as a consultant to get their brewing operation going. At the time, Cody was brewing at Mission Brewing along with his cousin Andrew Kelly, who spent time brewing at Coronado Brewing Company. During the pandemic, Cody started evaluating turnkey operations for New Motion. The pandemic was underway by summer when an equipment broker let him know 32 North Brewing was seeking a buyer. Andy and Kyle took a tour of the Miramar Brewing facility and decided that this was the spot. Not too long after, Cody and Andrew wound up leaving Mission Brewing and joining forces with New Motion Beverage to open up as Emboldened Beer Company. And Andy and Kyle are here with me today, guys. How we doing? We're doing great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, man. So, uh, so tell me one question. I the main question is, how did you come up with your name, New Motion and Embolden Beer Company? Yeah. So New Motion.
1: Kyle and I came up with right when we were first starting to do this, because let's just be honest, Kyle and I, um, if you ever meet us, we're not the kind of guys who are ever going to put our IPAs away for good. I'm not going to put away my whiskey and my cocktails that I love for good. But if we can do one little new motion every week, um, then eventually we can get in a better better place with our health, uh, maybe shed a couple of pounds. So for us, new motion was all about creating – non-beer beverages that were as tasty um, and kind of like fun and cool to drink as getting um, a craft beer, so that maybe once a week, you kind of substitute out um, and make a little new motion in your life. Now, in Bolden, we started because when our head brewer and director of brewing ops, Cody and Andrew, left their brewery, uh, Mission Brewery, which is one of the biggest breweries here in San Diego, um, it's it's a true juggernaut, of a brewery, um, and they're in two of the highest positions there. But they boldly left that cush job that they could have been career, you know, gone all the rest of their career with. Right? Um, they left that cush job to come at a startup with us. That was one of the boldest things we've ever seen. So we make embolden beer um, to make people, you know, hey, you know, they say that uh, beer is liquid courage.
0: So this is for anyone who's going to go out and do something brave in their day, just like our brewers did. Right. Right. All right. So from I know. You guys had taken over the 32 North Brewing, the Miramar Brewing Facility. But uh, from basically, from the start to finish, during that process of opening uh, your brewery, what was the most challenging part for you? And also, did you have to go about buying any new equipment or anything, or was everything kind of set up for you to go? Um,
1: well, I'll say that the most difficult part, and then, you know, I can let Kyle go on with some of the uh, other, you know, buying the equipment and everything, but. Truthfully, the hardest part is raising the money in the sense that you've got this vision and it's so clear in your mind. The hardest part is translating that excitement and that dream and that vision to people who you know, have the money, but they want to make a, a safe bet with, with their investment money. Um, so trying to get that brewery vibe to translate to paper is probably the most difficult thing because we didn't have production beers even brewed yet when we were buying it. Um, so, it's a lot easier to taste the dream than it is to see it on paper. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, I'd
2: say that's, that's by far the, the kind of hardest part is really rallying, you know, kind of building the village around you and rallying investors. Um, you know, we were able to do a lot of friends and family uh, to put that together. Um, but, you know, to, to answer your other question, we were fortunate enough when we took over this space, um, it was an operating beer brewing facility. Um, You know, we we came in and and cleaned everything up, and cleaned you know all the tanks up, and kind of made an evaluation. We bought you know new hoses, some of the soft parts. uh, Had to do some maintenance on the boiler, stuff
0: like that. But we didn't have to really purchase any, uh, make any major uh, equipment purchases. Luckily, so. So, what was that actual moment for you both? Um, You know, you I know you had bought some books and and whatnot. Uh, What was the actual moment where you thought to yourselves, this is, I think it's a time that we start looking at places. Well, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what
1: moment it was for Kyle. Um, So I'd be interested to actually hear his response to this. For me, it was when we were doing some events and we couldn't get paid. And I come from, because it's illegal, you can do homebrewing events and competitions and things of that nature and you have people who want to buy products from you. And I come from a sales and marketing background. So like, that just struck a chord with me. That I'm like, as much as I don't want to, as much as we've got this quality homebrew product, we couldn't sell it. Right. And that's when I decided that I, I, I want to find a way to be able to get this in the hands of like more than just my ten friends.
2: Right. Yeah. Sure. He, you know, for me, it kind of the same thing where we we've been we started out on a journey exploring brewing and kind of just messing around with recipes, and then we started get more serious about it, and then we got to a point where we really, we really felt that we had a product that was better than what we could buy out in stores. And then we started to get a lot of, you know, and family telling us that. And then people, random people that would be telling us that and wanting to buy it. Uh, so, kind of, it's on those same lines. It just kind of turned into, you know, we felt like we could build something and do a little bit better than what was out there in the market. So.
0: And how did you guys go about finding the capital to fund your business? <sighs> You know, it's was a. it been a long journey, honestly. I
2: mean, we've been working on this project for, um, you know, in total five years to get to this point where we're at right now. And, uh, you know, the first few years were more just brewing and kind of getting everything set up, but we've been searching for capital for the last really two years. Uh, and we went through, you know, networking events, pitching, you know, to using connections, meeting with venture capitalists, talking to random, to angel investors that we went with, um doing competitions, um, you know, just trying to go through every single avenue possible um to to get the idea out there. Um ultimately what ended up kind of working is we had we had our lead investor from a friend friends and family. Um we got once this opportunity came up um we had a couple more investors that were bought in and then we just went back around to people we've been talking to and a lot of friends and
1: family, and we were able to pull everything together. So, And I'll say to anyone listening who's brewing, getting your first investor is going to be the hardest. Um, The the more that they can see that dream start to come alive and see bigger and bigger batches of the beer and the beer getting better and better, that's when it became easier by a degree or two.
0: Right. Once they start to see the product and see it right in front of their face. It's
1: a lot easier to sell. The dream of a delicious beverage when you can hand someone a cold,
3: delicious beverage. Right. Um, you know, in your in your branded
0: pan or what have you. Right, for sure. So, what's something you you both never thought you were going to have to deal with when opening a brewery? Um,
1: honestly, the the amount of uh, you know we we both knew it'd be blood, sweat, and tears. Right. And in our our day jobs, blood sweat and tears is you know 60 hour work weeks, 12 you know 12 hour days, whatever, you know, doing meeting after meeting and meeting people and doing spreadsheets and all that. Um, what it comes down to is you got to put a lot of elbow grease in to do this as a startup unless you just find a million dollar huge investor, whatever. Um, you're going to be doing a lot of. You're going to have to learn how to paint, use power tools,
3: do all that stuff. So no matter what background you come from, <laughs> I had to learn all that stuff to right. do this. I never thought that I would have to. Yeah, and I
2: think, you know, for for me, um, like I So we spent a lot of time like doing research and kind of building a plan up front. So l- luckily, having going into it and, and been doing this now, having taken over and been doing it for the past seven months. There's nothing crazy that has popped up uh, that we were like, oh, we just didn't think about that. Um, but definitely things are just, you know, more involved than when
0: you kind of put them down on a piece of paper and a plan. So. Yeah, right, for sure. Um, so you talk about uh, putting in your, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. How important is a, a mental break from, you know, to just walk away from everything for a little while to just get that uh, sanity, and what does that look like for you? You know, that that's
2: honestly... Like that is so so important. Um, just over time, um, it's it's always you know. I think the the, the journey over the last several years there's a, there's a lot of it's a roller coaster. There's so many ups and downs. Um, we've been able to kind of lean on each other when when one when I'm when I'm kind of jamming out or ready to give up or vice versa. Um, but now especially you know taking that break, we've been talking a lot about wellness. Um, it's trying to focus on it trying to you know take a, at least a day right now where we're not at the brewery and not thinking about it and maybe only responding to a couple emails you right. know? Yeah. Um, so it, you know that's super super important because it's a it's a marathon it's not a sprint and it's really easy especially in the beginning to forget that uh, and just kind of work 24/ 7 so you know that is honestly one of the most important things to burnout is real it, it is.
1: Yeah. And um, like Kyle said, you've got to have people involved with you, whether they're direct partners or people that you bring on, that you hire, that you really trust like family, um, because you've got to be able to know that if you turn off your phone for a couple of hours, that everything's not just going to magically disappear while you're away from it for a few minutes. Because, yeah, you can only you can only put all the blood,
2: sweat and tears in for so long until you're out of all liquids in your body.
0: <laughs> right. Completely drained out. I got nothing left. Um, So what do you think uh, so far is the biggest lesson you've both learned?
1: The biggest lesson that I've personally learned is the value of community. Um, No matter how high powered you are, no matter how much, you know, you think that you can be the one to, you know, conquer the mountain or whatever, you really just need, what you need is other people. Um, You know, we learned right away that we couldn't do this without, the other brewers and the brewing community here in San Diego, especially during this pandemic time. Right. But right. no matter how good you think that you are, um, you've got to be able to lean on the community and play well in the sandbox because ultimately, um, the community will either uplift you or you'll just be one more jerk left in the dust.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, who's inspired you most in the beer industry?
1: Yeah, I don't know. For, for us, honestly, it's our friends over at a brewery called Harland.
0: Harland? Okay. Um, so what they did for us was something that they didn't have to do
1: or anything like that, but they knew our head brewer and director of brewing ops from previous time when they got, you know, then when they were, they were starting new and you know, ultimately, I've got a lot of respect because they had no reason to do so, but they came on when we first opened and did a collaboration beer with us. Even though they're the type of brewery that sells out a special release online before it even makes it to the yeah. store, um, they're they're selling out everything. And they came and took an entire day away from their job to come and do a collaboration brew here that we could sell here for our grand opening. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for that because they put community ahead of profit and they put community ahead of you know themselves. They put, you know, they, they paid it forward to us and I'll never, ever forget that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's a pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, Harlow's been, been just an amazing,
2: you know, um, brand in San Diego. They're really crushing it. They've really, uh, given us a, a head start in this community, so. Uh bad props to them. And then, yeah. Uh, you know, of course, we, we love a lot of, the, the, there's tons of great beer here in San Diego, and there's a ton of great brands that we look up to as well. So, absolutely.
0: Right. So, how do you both define success? So, yeah, I
1: thought if you would have asked me this five years ago when we started this idea, I would say having the brewery. Um, really the way that i think that i've come to define it now is when we can get to the point where we can achieve our second level goals which is to be able to give back to our community Uh, charity events and charity beers are very important to us doing sustainable efforts to give back to the greater community um, are also very important and then we can't wait for our opportunity to be big enough when another new entrepreneur is coming around uh, to be able to help them out in the way that so many angels have come to
2: us and helped us out. Right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think that those are two of the biggest ways for sure. It's just being able to be in a point in our business life cycle where we can truly make an impact in the community, where we can, uh, you know, focus on sustainability, the environment, making a difference. Um, You know, those things are really big for us. Um, it, it, it takes time to get there, but I think you know when we get to that that level of success, being able to be widely distributed and be able to kind of make impacts in supply chains and, and in our community. Um, you know, those are those are some of the big ways we're looking at right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely for sure. So, when it comes to uh, marketing for you guys to get your name out there, um, how do you go about that? Is it is it mostly just a social media thing or do you try other ways? Yes. Yeah, so, um, as as a, a true startup, we have a zero, essentially a zero dollar, um, you know, like
1: paid like advertisement budget right now. Right. We're actually hoping to start launching our first paid advertisements in a local online beer magazine. But other than that, truthfully, it's through our social media, uh, promoting it on there. Um, you know, talking to the local beer news. Um, they really you know if you've got something to say they definitely do a great job Uh, shout out to san diego beer news um who's definitely done some great coverage on some of the fun stuff that we've been doing but really it's just um, relying on the word of mouth and the grassroots community Um, the industry here has honestly been our biggest marketing tool we cater to other breweries and the brewers that work there and the word of mouth has been incredible people are actually sending paying customers to our brewery after when they're leaving their own brewery um, and no one has to do that but that's that kind of grassroots love and community that um, I don't think we
0: would be able to do what we do without that um, with the with the limited budget that we have right yeah it's like uh, you barely have to even worry about a competition so to speak it's uh, it's almost like a brotherhood that's pretty <laughs> right it's pretty phenomenal yes
2: yeah definitely definitely a brotherhood I mean Rome we're all competitors for sure and going into the same market, but it's definitely a lot different than than most other businesses. And that's one of the things that really attracts us about this community is it, you know, sometimes business can be cutthroat or,
0: you know, people can lose their ideals, but this is much more of a brotherhood though. lifts each other up. Yeah. Right. A rising tide lifts all ships. That's right. For sure. So the I know uh you haven't been open that long amount of time, but For you personally, uh, what do you think has changed the most in the last five years uh, in the industry?
1: Yeah. So it went from, you know, 10, 15 years ago to where craft began to being about, about five years ago. I would say it was the end of the beginning of the craft movement because all the craft players from the first round got so big, especially here in San Diego. The people who were originally out of a small... You know, closet-sized space now had ten locations and hundreds of thousands of square foot warehouses, and um, it it, craft didn't look like craft anymore. What we've noticed in the last five and and every year, it's becoming more and more like this. Is that it's very very local and it's very very specialized. So the main thing is um, now places have to be able to you know, kind of cater to that that local community a lot more because there's not going to necessarily be another Ballast Point or St. Archer, Stone Brewing, Firestone Walker, Mission right. Brewery, right. Um, any of those, um, you know, getting a craft beer brewery to become that dominant in a marketplace is a whole different thing now. And it's going to take community effort and it's going to take um, being being very specialized and having a very focused marketing um, to a particular type of consumer because not every beer drinker is the same these days. That's why we had to start two brands in the first
0: place. Right, right, yeah. There's a lot of um, lot of options out there now. Oh yeah,
1: there's so many options, and everyone wants the perfect thing, like that's just right for them. Yeah. Right. And beer has just become very hyper, hyper local. Um, you know, and, you know there's. Brews on
2: you know all every corner in a lot of in a lot of cities, especially in San Diego. Um, And you know everyone has their favorites, so becoming hyper local and really, really leaning into your your
0: your target market and your um, you know initial customers is really important. Right. So for you both, um, what do you think was your gateway beer into the craft world?
2: (laughs) I don't mind. i got to search my, my mind, my memory for that one.
1: All right. Oh, um, well, I'll, I'll drop mine first. Um, and and with the added bonus of the fact that at first I was like, oh my God, hand me back my Corona. It was midnight on the night I turned 21, and my friend bought me a stone arrogant bastard. Oh, and man. it was quite unlike anything that I've ever had before. And, you know, on my 21st birthday, that was a long-ass time ago. Right. So this, this was, <laughs> there was no way that I could have known what they were handing me. Um, because this wasn't even a, like a big thing yet. Um, it, it, it changed the way I viewed beer forever. And by the time I was ready, you know, six months later after having been 21 for a while, trying a bunch of different beers, um, I realized how much respect that I had for those bold flavors and bold choices. Right. And I never went back to mass-produced beer ever again.
0: Yeah, it's a great beer.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, I my I was just thinking about it. I mean, my my gateway beer, like probably yeah, around twenty one, even probably
3: before that. Honestly, right? right. Um, it's
2: kind of weird to say, but I feel like my gateway beer is
3: probably Blue Moon because that yeah. led me to uh, like a lot of German Hefeweizens,
2: like Francis Ganner and something like Spaten and some of the other ones, and then ultimately to uh, to Coronado, Orange Avenue Witt. and then from there the IPAs. So. <laughs>
0: It's funny, you know. I, I never hear anybody say Blue Moon, and that was actually my, I think, my first. If I'm If I'm course, not mistaken,
2: because yeah, before that, I feel like it was just all like, yeah, you know, Coronas or like,
0: right, you know, right. or like, yeah, like, sorry, like you
2: know, mass produced beer in college. So
0: I think it was pretty much for me. It was like Blue Moon, and then like uh, uh, Sam Adams, and then like Stone. Oh,
2: yeah. That was another one.
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> that was basically that was basically Uh, like my first three yeah Yeah. so um what is uh what's the next step for your brewery what does the future look like for you
2: yeah i mean we're we're in a really unique position um you know that's really exciting we've we've got out the gate really really fast i mean been crazy. In the last you know, six, seven months, we went from taking over a space to, in two months kind of re, re, remodeling and cleaning and getting products out there to signing a distribution agreement. Now we're just really growing. Um, so we're setting our sights on expanding. I mean, we uh, we're looking to get new tanks and some, some equipment we need to kind of help streamline and be more efficient, um, and then we want to just double down in our market and our, our Southern California market. We're looking to go into LA, I'm an empire, we're looking at Arizona, um, and we just really also want to build uh, our new motion brand and uh, focus on hard sparkling tea. So,
0: very cool, very cool. Um, and if somebody had has come to you and and asked you. For advice on opening their own brewery, what would you tell them? My first
1: thing would be, you know, what you're gonna end up going down a lot of different paths to get there. Um, one thing that I learned actually from my business partner Kyle is, you know, you've gotta you've gotta travel all avenues because there's things that we thought were gonna be a slam dunk that panned out to be absolutely nothing but a waste of time. But on the other hand, things that we thought were a shot in the dark came out to be an absolute saving grace or just a huge boost that we needed. Right. So you've got to go down the road less traveled a lot of times, and you've got to be able to just get, get right back up. And sure, yeah, it might be frustrating sometimes, but when you get those huge just like slam dunk wins off of something that it was just a shot in the dark, um, it's, it's really satisfying. And I don't know that we would be here. If we would have just followed our... If we would have followed our original path, we wouldn't be here. I'll just... I'll come right out and say it. So, yeah. Going down the road, less travel. Yeah, and I think, you know, along with that, the biggest thing is just patience and persistence. Because, yeah, I think you end
2: up, um, you know, going down a lot of different uh, paths to try to make something work. Um, And... A lot of times they don't, they don't work out. And so it can be really easy to get down and just kind of give up. Um, so having the, the patience to, to know that and persistence to just get back up and kind of figure out the next path. Right.
0: Um, yeah.
2: You know, More often than not, that's kind of how, how the journey works. <laughs> yeah.
0: For sure. Oh, oh so, also, yeah. sorry, i got one more thing that I just thought of. Also, know when to say
1: no, um, because sometimes... Especially early on, someone might come in with an offer that seems um, either too good to be true, or more often, um, it's really good for them, and they might perceive that you're in a bind. Know your worth. Know when to say no,
3: um, and be have the confidence to go back to the drawing board and try something different. Right.
0: Good. Good advice. Good advice, guys. Um, did you happen to have a funny story for us? Yeah. So
1: I was—I could have tied this into one of your earlier questions of stuff that you never thought you'd see or do. Right. Um, when I left my my job in, in sales and marketing to to come here and you know be you know essentially in sales and marketing because we've got all the production stuff handled by best in the business type people. Um, one particular night, myself and our other co-founder Megan, my fiance, happened to be here late, sending an email or what have you. And if I wasn't sending this one last email, we wouldn't have heard. Some
0: loud, strange noise coming from the brew house. (laughs) Okay. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, these things, I mean, of course, yourself
1: and all your listeners have probably been around brew houses enough to know they make random noises at random times. There's automated timers, things blowing off steam, whatever. Um, But we're like, this. we'd only been there for maybe two, three weeks at the time. Um, So this is very new to us. We're like, okay, it's pitch black out there. It's 10 p.m. We're going to go check it out. Well, it turns out that our main water pipeline, which is about an inch diameter pipe, um, had burst. And in the heat of the moment, I thought, you know, with all of my my skilled training with this kind of thing, which was absolutely zero, I thought I'm going to go ahead and try and He-Man the fitting back together while it's doing about a gallon a second coming out of it. Um, That wasn't going to happen. So as I'm trying to do this mightily fighting against the tide, which, you know, was pretty much going to drown our entire brewery, all of a sudden the water stops, and I'm like, okay, this is, thank God, you know, whatever, and I'm looking around, and my fiance had scaled an eight-foot wall um, to get to one of the water cutoffs that's above our bathroom, Um, the only funny part about this is that she managed to get up there and save the day, and then could not get down, and it was pitch black in the brewery. I had no idea where all the stuff was. We'd only been there for a week. It took us about an hour to find the ladder to get her down. With her trapped on top of the bathroom after having saved the day. Yeah.
0: Well at least she saved the day. That's that's the that's the important <laughs> she part. She
1: saved the day. She saved the day and got, you know, you know, what do they say? The road to hell was paved with good intentions, yeah. as they say. And uh, you know, she stuck her neck out there and got trapped on top of a bathroom for an hour.
0: Jesus. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I have a, so I have a segment called Quick Fire Five, Five Quick Questions, Five Quick Questions, uh, beer related. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What are your beers you would recommend someone try?
1: Go ahead and, um, if you are not from San Diego, try our West Coast IPA Clear Intentions. Um, it's in a throwback West Coast San Diego style. Um, it's not going to be one of those tongue buckling hot bombs. You're actually going to get a taste of the beer. Okay.
2: Honestly, I would say our our rewriting history. Um, you know, it's it's a, we call it a juicy West Coast IPA. So it's kind of a looks like a hazy, but it finishes uh, smooth
0: like a like a West Coast. Definitely something innovative and it's really delicious. <laughs> okay. Favorite brewery other than your own
1: to go with virgin beer
0: out of carlsbad okay yeah they're fantastic
2: well that that would be mine but i'm gonna go with uh right now i'm gonna go with north park beer company they're just putting out amazing beers so
0: all right favorite style of beer
2: west coast.ca yeah. pe- the
0: classic <laughs> okay yeah um barrel aged imperial or both
1: prefer Imperials to most barrel-aged
0: beers. Okay. Yeah, uh, I would actually have to go with barrel-aged. Barrel-aged. Okay. And uh, you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Okay. Um, (laughs) Off
3: the top of my head, I'm probably going to go Treevana by Virgin. Okay. I'm not
1: going to pick one of our own because I've got more than one keg
0: of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Epic 10:45 to Denver. And, yeah, what is what's that one? I'm sorry. Uh, Epic Brewing
2: Company. Uh, it's 10:45 uh, to Denver uh, West Coast IPA.
0: Okay. Well, guys, that's all I have for you. Awesome. I appreciate Thank you, it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being with yeah, me. A lot. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it more. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast, here with Kyle Poole and Andy Sist of New Motion Beverage and Embolden Beer Company in San Diego, California. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Andy Sist and Kyle Poole of New Motion Beverages and Emboldened Beer Company in San Diego, California. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, You should definitely check him out. Give him a follow on social media, too, while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe and you'll never miss one. Also, check us out on social media for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.